0: Leading the way with Dr. Michael Youssef, equipping us to grow into a deeper walk with Christ. Part of Night Vision each weeknight. Details at vision.org.au
1: Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Over
2: this next hour, a wonderful opportunity. You might have a question and there could be questions on all sorts of topics. Let's say no holds barred and a really tremendous opportunity to check the pulse of Australia's relationship with the nation of Israel. Our special guest today, his job is to wrestle with the politics and to deal with the critical developments affecting his homeland and creating strong relations with Australia. While this relationship may be underappreciated by ordinary Australians, The Christian community takes a special interest in our relationship with Israel. And that's because Christians hold a deeper awareness of the plans and purposes of God being outworked through His chosen people. Well, our special guest today has just taken up his appointment. His Excellency, Mr. Amir Maimon, is the ambassador of the State of Israel to Australia following an extensive career in the Israeli Defence Force, reaching the rank of Lieutenant-Colonel. He joined the Israel Milit- Mi- Ministry of Foreign Affairs and has held diplomatic posts in London, in Canada, Turkey, Ethiopia, Washington and Lithuania. Let me make a special welcome to 2020. Uh, your Excellency Amir,
1: welcome along. Well, good morning and uh, thank you, Neil, for uh, having me today in your show. And please call me Amir. Well, thank you very much,
2: because uh, when you are having a conversation with uh, people who have a high-level diplomatic role, uh, you wonder about uh, titles, so I'll call you Amir. And listeners who call in today, will they'll have that sort of freedom as well to call you Amir. Let's call ourselves friends. Amir, let's start with some of your story, because you're a newcomer to this role here in Australia. Uh, you've had an extensive military history in your own homeland of Israel. But let's go back a little step further because your family were Yemenites and uh, they emigrated from Yemen to Israel. Take us into your family history here.
1: Well, thank you. Uh, thank you for the question. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, my roots are in uh, Yemen, the northern part of Yemen, uh, from the area by the name Haydan, which is not too far from the border with uh, Saudiya, and uh, in 1909, in the summer of 1909, uh, my uh, relatives, along with 225 uh, of their uh, friends and neighbors, decided to realize their uh, long, uh, long, long dream to move uh, to the land of Israel. They didn't do so uh, because uh, they were suppressed or because they faced some economic challenges. They simply left comfortable life because of their love to Zion. It was not an easy journey as they had to march, literally to march over 130 kilometers in the desert in the very hot days of the Yemenite uh, summer And it took them several days. They were only walking during nighttime when it was uh, a little bit cooler than the uh, daytime. And they reached the port of uh, Madi where they took uh, a sailing boat which uh, took them to the port of Aden where actually they were put in uh, quarantine for three months because there were some concerns about their medical condition. And after three uh, months during which they celebrated the... uh, Jewish New Year, they finally uh, boarded a German steamboat which brought them to the promised land, to the land that they were dreaming to uh, reach, and it was uh, exactly in the midst of the uh, Jewish holiday of Sukkot. Upon their arrival, they were taken uh, from Jaffa Port to a small Jewish settlement by the name uh, Rishon LeZion, where they lived for uh, all their life And where their house is still uh, standing, and this is uh, part of the uh, heritage uh, buildings of the city of uh, Rishon Lezion. A very interesting happened, a very interesting thing happened uh, upon their landing in the Jaffa port. We found, we somehow ended with the surname Maimon. This is not our original surname. It was the name of my uh, great uh, grandfather uh, father's name, and uh, his name was Maimon, the son of Tzadok, and the surname was Gafla. Somehow, the uh, Turkish authorities that absorbed the Yemenite Jews that just arrived mixed with the names, and we ended with the Maimon family as our surname. It's a rich
2: family history, isn't it? And over a 100 years ago, when your family made that journey from Yemen to Israel, as you say, they were on foot and then they were on a steamboat. These days, uh, there are a lot of Jewish people and Jewish communities around the world who are making a trip to Israel. And they're getting on board uh, major aeroplanes and uh, they're arriving in their thousands. Uh, We talk about people doing Aliyah, uh, Jewish people returning to their homeland. Do you see your own family history as doing that Aliyah, uh, the arrival back in the homeland? Was there something there in that uh, religious past uh, that was driving your
1: family, do you think, to move back to Israel? There is no doubt about it that uh, the motivation was uh, religious motivation. For uh, many, many years, they were praying in the uh, synagogues in in Yemen, and uh, their faces were uh, directed towards the city of Jerusalem. In every single daily prayer, there is the sentence, the phrase, for the next year in Jerusalem. It's all about Jerusalem. It's all about the love, the desire to move and uh, Resume the Jewish life in the land that was given to the Israeli, to the Jewish people by God. And we're talking about your family
2: even before the state of Israel was recognized as its own nation. Uh, your father, and you followed in his footsteps into the military, he was able to move through the ranks right up to the level of Major General he would have been a part of a lot of those conflicts that Israel has been part of over now many, many decades.
1: Well, he was first and foremost the son of uh, Aaron. Aaron was 11 years old when he, uh, when his father moved from Yemen to uh, Israel. And Aaron uh, worked for uh, 60 years, was working very hard in the uh, winery, a very well-known winery in the city of Rishon LeZion. And he provided uh, his family, and he was the one to bring up uh, his children, his sons, on based on uh, the Jewish values, the love of the land of Israel, and the love to uh, others. And then uh, my father joined the army, and his uh, beginning uh, or his start was not a very easy one, as he was not as educated as some others. He had also to support the uh, family when he was a teenager. He had to quit uh, high school. Only during his military service, he was able to complete his uh, high school uh, studies as well as university studies. And he didn't start like you know, uh, like me, as a paratrooper, because his uh, brother Jacob was killed in the War of Independence on January the ninth of 1948, and that's why my father was sent to uh, non-combat uh, units. And this is. Uh, a different uh, track the promotion is lower than it is in uh, other uh, units in other branches but at a certain point and after getting his uh, parents blessing and support he uh, returned to uh, the combat uh, unit assume uh, a different uh, commanding post and uh, reached the very uh, high ranking of uh, a major uh, general wow And you entered uh,
2: the Israeli Defense Forces, as you say, as a paratrooper. Uh, So did you see through your, I think it was a 12-year career, uh, moving through the ranks up to Lieutenant Colonel, did you see uh, action in those years? Uh, Were you part of any of those wars and battles that Israel uh,
1: was fighting? Yeah. Well, uh, for me, it was uh, uh, mainly... uh I, want, I, really, I, I wanted to be like my father. I still very much want to be like him. He is, for me, a, a role model. From him, I learned a lot about uh, uh, the love to my nation, to my people, and to my country. Even though when I was uh, little, I uh, didn't get to know, uh, to know him very well, as he was always in the, uh, in the army, he was uh, with his unit, and uh, he came home very rarely. It was very funny. My late mother told me that I used to call my red hair neighbor as dad. But then when—and uh, and I think that because of his influence, I decided to join the uh, military academy because I wanted to be like him. It happens that uh, children are following their parents' footsteps. So I, don't, I joined the uh, military academy and then the paratroopers, special forces. And yes, unfortunately, Israel is— uh, still facing some security and uh, defense challenges. And during my military service from 1976 until uh, 1989, I did experience battle mainly in Lebanon. I participated as a commander uh, in the Letani operation in 1978, and I was a battalion commander in the 1982 Lebanon War.
3: This is 2020 with Neil Johnson. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events
2: from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision Christian Radio. Our talkback line is open on one 316 316 If you have a question or a comment or a way to engage with His Excellency Mr Amir Maimon who is the Ambassador of the State of Israel to Australia. Amir, let me ask you about the relationship between Australia and Israel. And sometimes we think it's good when one side of politics is in power and uh, not so good when the other. Uh, but by and large, the overall relationship, how do you view it?
1: Well, I think that the relationship are uh, not just good, but they are very good. It is not related to uh, the uh, uh, political party that is uh, leading the country. Uh, It was good during the labor time and it uh, was good uh, during the liberal time. The relationship are going back to uh, the First World War when the uh, light uh, horse battalion, the Australian light horse battalion, uh, liberated the city of 'er Beersheba, a biblical um, uh, city uh, mentioned in the Old Testament, in the Bible. Abraham uh, was uh, there and uh, also liberated the uh, other sites in Israel including Rehovot which is not too far from my hometown and uh, it ended in uh, September of tw- uh, 25th uh, of September of 1918 when the light horse battalion liberated the uh, turkish railway or occupied the uh, turkish railway station in the Tzemach junction and it continued also during the deliberation in the United Nations on the uh, Partition Resolution. It was uh, Doug Abbott, the well-known Australian diplomat, former foreign minister, who led the discussion. And Australia was uh, the first country to vote uh, in favor, in support of the establishment of the state of Israel and relationship can be measured by different forms by the number of visits the number of agreements by the trade by the people to people project and i think that in each one of the sectors that i just mentioned i can uh, say uh, you know that the relationship are really very good and we are looking uh, forward to uh, further expand deepen the relationship nearly in every possible sector
2: And as you say, there's a really deep connection for you because you were raised in Beersheba, uh, which is where that charge of the light horse happened, the liberation of Beersheba, which really opened the way for nationhood for the nation of Israel. So you were right, your family was right there in the middle of all of that, no doubt, but your connection to that value and that relationship with Australia, it's a significant one because there are some memorials uh, throughout Israel, but especially, I think, in Beersheba, the uh, memorial to that charge of the light horse.
1: Well, there are two major uh, sites in Beersheba. One of them is the uh, the cemetery, where Australian uh, soldiers and uh, Anzac soldiers are buried, soldiers that sacrifice uh, their life uh, during the charge of the city of uh, Beersheba. And uh, for me, I was passing uh, by uh, the cemetery uh, whenever we were traveling to Tel Aviv uh, to visit our relatives in the uh, Rishan LeZion or in other places, because that was uh, the only way to get into Beersheba. And for me to represent the state of Israel years later, uh, not as an ambassador, but as a director in the uh, Israeli Ministry of Foreign Affairs during one of the ceremonies was um, uh, very moving because for me it was uh, homecoming, return to uh, the city where I was uh, brought up. Uh, Years later, the uh, Australian uh, Soldier Park was also um, established. And just uh, a year ago, when I was trying to coordinate a visit to the park, Just before assuming my responsibility as an ambassador, I learned that the director of the park is uh, one of my classmates from the elementary school where I studied in uh, the city of 'er Beersheba. So, yes, for me, it was a kind of uh, closing, uh, a closure of a circle from the israeli point of view uh, do
2: ordinary israelis when they think of nations as friends and enemies and, and there are a lot of enemies that uh, have that israel would consider nations to be enemies when they think of the australian people
1: what do they think well they uh, think about friends they think about uh, a beautiful uh, continent not country because uh, australia is huge Israel, just uh, to give the uh, listeners a perspective, is one third of Tasmania. Not even one third. Tasmania is about sixty-eight thousand square kilometers, and Israel is only about twenty thousand square kilometers. I just came back from uh, South Australia, where I visited last week, and I visited the electorate uh, the, uh, of Mayo, and I learned that the uh, only the electorate of Mayo is about 9,000 square kilometer, nearly half the size of the state of Israel. Australia used to be and still very much uh, a very popular destination for uh, young Israelis after their military service, and that's why we managed to reach an agreement with the Australian government to have uh, a, a working travel visa, so Israelis can uh, travel to Australia and stay here for uh, uh, a year, as they can work during their um, stay here in Australia. And if they will be working for uh, more than three weeks, they can even extend their visa for two more years. Our special guest is His
2: Excellency, Mr. Amir Maimon. He's the ambassador of the State of Israel to Australia. Our talkback line is open on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. 316 316 Permission to call him by his first name, Amir. Let's take a call from Newitt, who is in Adelaide. Hello, Newitt. Welcome along.
0: Hello, Neil, and hello, Ambassador Mir. It's such a blessing that I can speak with you and to tell you that how much I love Israel. Um, The special love is is something very special. I was unwell for nearly seven years with fatigue, shut in, but the Bible is open, heaven is open, and I learned everything about God's love and tender love for his people. And as soon as I finished that journey, I feel a little bit of energy. I walked out, and who I met? All the young um, ex-servicemen, like you just said, they come here to serve, to, to, to have a, a bit of a holiday, working holiday. I met with them. I was friends, about 14 of them, and sharing the gospel. And this is the delight of my heart. I just want to tell you, we love you. And when I told them, God love you, and I love
1: you because this is what he put in my heart. They cry. Newitt wonderful cry.
2: to hear oh, so from Newet you. Uh, yeah. Amir, yeah. what are I'm your thoughts for you? Know.
1: <laughs> well, I'm uh, I moved. Uh, I can't find uh, the words because not uh, every day I hear uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. such, uh, you know, uh, loving words from uh, people that uh, I meet with. And uh, I would like really to thank you from uh, the bottom of uh, my heart, for the very uh, warm and loving words, and I do hope that uh, you will be able sooner than later realize your wish to visit uh, the land of Israel.
0: Well, I love to, yeah, I love to, and every year at the end of October, when we celebrate the um, the um, the Light Horseman, and I always pray that more people in Israel aware of the blessing, the hand of blessing of God on is our nation for. Choosing this little that nation that was still so unknown, and and to to be part of that um, um, that journey with God to deliver the land Israel and and uh, the, the land of Palestine at that time, you know. And New I was, just pray that more people are aware of that.
2: Thank so. you so much for your call, Newitt, and our talkback line is open on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Uh, it's interesting, and uh, we're hearing emotion, aren't we, in uh, Newitt's voice. Uh, these thoughts that, you know, my love for the nation of Israel and a love for the nation of Israel that can come from an engagement with what we read in the Bible. It brings to the surface this spirituality. And I know that your own family history has been deeply religious. And yes, Jewish religion is a little different to what we think of as Christian religion, but there are some wonderful things in common, the fact that we share an Old Testament as part of our holy book scriptures. These are wonderful things that unite Christians and Jews.
1: Yes, and um, I would like to mention that yesterday uh, I attended a very moving uh, event uh, here in the uh, uh, Sunshine Sunshine uh, Coast. I was uh, invited uh, and uh, by uh, Pastor uh, uh, Joel Baker and um, Ian Warby and uh, Keith and Peter and uh, me and uh, and others. And uh, for me, it was uh, the first time ever uh, that I experienced such a very warm gathering of non-Jewish people. Usually, when I attend uh, Jewish events with uh, Jewish community, Jewish people, so it's usually a very warm gathering. And to experience the same feeling with non-Jewish people, with Christians who love Israel so much. They were singing uh, Hebrew songs yesterday of Inema uh, Manaim, and they were singing about Jerusalem. And they were even singing the uh, Israeli national anthem. For me, it was uh, very moving. And uh, I can tell you that uh, uh, it's not every day that uh, people can uh, bring me to tears. What I'm hearing is that you've received a warm
2: welcome, especially from the Christian community here in Australia. I mean, before we get into some controversial issues around Israel and the developments that have been happening just lately, let's take another call. Pete is in Victoria. Hi, Pete. Welcome. We just got to just get Pete connected here. Hello, Pete. Welcome. G'day, are you there? Yes, Pete, what are your thoughts for our guest?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, day to you both. Hi, uh, Amir. But just quickly, in Matthew 23 37, Yeshua said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your chicks together as a hen gathers, gathers her chicks under her wings, but you are not willing. The Lord said, to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. The nation of Israel needs to know that those who believe in the Jewish Messiah, Yeshua, are their greatest allies. In fact, their only true allies. Shalom to you all.
2: Pete, a very deep and interesting comment you're making here. Uh, Amir, your thoughts for Pete?
1: Well, uh, no doubts that uh, we all... Uh are looking for peace uh, in Jerusalem. Uh, We are all looking for uh, a freedom of worship in uh, Jerusalem, a freedom of uh, access. And uh, for us, uh, it is uh, very important, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to reiterate uh, our uh, position, which is uh, very uh, very clear about uh, Jerusalem, uh, about the uh, eternal united capital of the state of Israel that 's what Jerusalem is uh, for me what that 's what Jerusalem was, and that 's what Jerusalem will be uh, forever and Of course, as I said before, we value uh, very much uh, our christian friends Pete, Thank you so
2: much for your call one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen to join in our conversation before we move in, move on from there praying for the peace of Jerusalem, having an ancient document as we have, uh, the uh, First Testament, the Second Testament, the Old the New Testament, as we call things in different ways. There's something powerful about the things that were written in antiquity that unite peoples together when they're going through challenges for now and into the future. The fact of those things written in the Bible, does it ever amaze you, surprise you that we can be united because of things that were written thousands of years ago.
1: No, uh, I'm not surprised. I uh, believe that we should uh, uh, learn a lot from the past and look for ways to uh, realize it in the present and the future. I believe that the focus of our attention should be be given to the present and the future. And uh, again, uh, for me, uh, Jerusalem, and by the way, Jerusalem was never a capital of any other uh, nation, than the uh, Jewish uh, people and uh, the state of Israel, uh, we, uh, uh, in different uh, occasions, was very clear about the vision, uh, her vision of uh, the city of Jerusalem, an open city, a city that uh, all uh, dominion can uh, worship, can uh, visit, and uh, in uh, you know a very peaceful and secure atmosphere. And, of course, having Jerusalem as the capital,
2: uh, that's something, as you say, has an eternal capital about it. And a biblical foundation uh, and God making this a center and this thought of praying for the peace of Jerusalem. That's something that unites the Jewish people around their nationhood, is this fact of Jerusalem
1: not divided. Of absolutely and that's why from, uh, you know, uh, the day of the uh, inception of the state of Israel, there were no doubts and there were no question where our capital is going to be. And that's why our capital is in uh, Jerusalem. The House of Representatives, the Knesset, is uh, in Jerusalem. All government officials, uh, all government ministries are based in uh, Jerusalem. And I do hope that more and more uh, uh, countries will also uh, set their embassies in the capital of the state of Israel, Jerusalem. It has
2: been a very contentious thing. And then you had the U.S. uh, opened an embassy in Jerusalem. It was a very contentious thing around the world. I think Australia was moving that direction. That hasn't happened yet. Uh, Perhaps that will happen sometime into the future.
1: The thought that there is... Uh, It's important to... uh, Uh, remind the listeners that Australia did open an office in Jerusalem it's a trade and defense office situated in Jerusalem all right Uh, we'll count that as a a
2: first step is that the way you'd see that absolutely a very positive first step before we take another call there are so many controversies to talk about Uh, there are a lot of threats that are coming against Israel Uh, One of those, and the most perhaps prominent that the world would be looking at, is not necessarily, and it it is very important of course, the tensions between the Palestinian people and the Jewish people, but the growing threat now with the Iranian nuclear program. I wonder if you've got an impression about what difference that Iranian nuclear program makes to the people of Israel and how the world ought to be looking at that. Mm
1: Well, I uh, first and foremost, I wouldn't, uh, with your permission, Neil, define it as contra- controversial, but as a challenge. This is uh, very challenging uh, for the state of Israel, but not just for the state of Israel, but also to the entire international community, the one who believes in democracy, in freedom and uh, in security. To start with, um, when we are talking about the Iranian quest to acquire nuclear weapon capability, so I can tell you that they are very close. They are very close because they already mastered the technology, and uh, the uh, nuclear technology is based on three major pillars, conversion, enrichment, and uh, reprocessing. The Iranians already, and this is not part of the so-called Israeli uh, propaganda, Simply read the uh, uh, IAEA report. It's uh, a United Nations agency which is uh, responsible uh, for uh, international atomic and energy agency, and they are the one to uh, uh, follow the uh, nuclear developments in Iran. In uh, the director general, uh, their director general, Ambassador Grossi, recent report, he. uh, Highlighted or listed the uh, risks that are arising from the Iranians' uh, nuclear weapon program. He was also talking about uh, the timetable. So for us, it's not a theoretical uh, threat. And by the way, in the textbooks, you measure a uh, uh, threat is defined by a combination of intention and capabilities. And if you'll Google, you will see it that uh, nearly every Iranian uh, leader has stated or is stating about uh, the uh, intention to wipe out the state of Israel from the map. In some of their ballistic missiles, you can uh, uh, see inscription of the destruction of uh, Israel and the USA. And uh, the other part is, of course, related to capabilities. And now that they already have the delivery means, namely the ballistic missiles, plus the nuclear weapon capabilities. So uh, for us, it's uh, a a real threat. It's uh, not something theoretical. But when talking about Iran, it's also very important to remember that Iran is not just about the nuclear weapon program. Iran is also about their support of terrorism. Iran is also about their efforts to undermine some of the moderate Arab states in the region, such as uh, United Arab Emirates, Bahrain. Only in the beginning of this year They use one of their proxies in Yemen, the Houthis, to launch ballistic missiles, UAVs, and this is part of their scheme to undermine the moderate Arab states. Let's not forget that uh, for them it's all about the enhancement of their regional hegemony, uh, and they're doing so by using some of their proxies. They have the Hezbollah in Lebanon, they have the Hamas in the Gaza Strip. They have the Houthis in, uh, in uh, Yemen. And they also have uh, some other fractions in Syria, in Iraq, and in other places. There are, as you
2: describe, threats coming from every direction. And uh, let me just take you into some deeper waters here. Uh, the thought that the Israeli military is not afraid to defend itself uh, we'll often hear stories of some preemptive strikes or retaliations that come from uh, rockets that have been launched uh, across borders, uh, Syria. The fear that the world holds is that there'll be a preemptive strike on Iran, as they may be planning a strike on Israel. And the flashpoint that could eventuate uh, the potential for nuclear war. Is that something that is constantly on the agenda for discussion at high levels in Israel?
1: Well, for me, it's very uh, uh, important to emphasize that uh, we are looking for a peaceful solution. It's not that the state of Israel is against uh, you know, an agreement with Iran, an agreement that will roll back their nuclear weapon program, an agreement that will uh, take out the uh, enriched uh, uranium that was accumulated so far, Uh, we are not against. We are against a bad agreement. And the alternative to a bad agreement is not a military option. The alternative is a good agreement. And, of course, it's very important to maintain all options on the table. Uh, All options uh, are on the table, including the military options. Because, as I said before, we're talking about a threat, We're not talking about uh, a theoretical uh, threat. We're talking about a nation that is looking to, uh, uh, not nation, we're talking about leadership. Because we don't have any differences with the Iranian people. We used to have very good and close relationship until uh, the end of the 70s. And it is the new leadership, it is the uh, ayatollahs that are looking for the destruction of the state of Israel. And this is the duty of every democratic government to take the necessary, all necessary measures in order to defend its citizens. And Israel is not different than Australia, United States of America or the United Kingdom. And if the Iranians will uh, possess a clear threat, an immediate threat, we will have the means to uh, eliminate and to respond.
2: And all the more powerful the biblical challenge, uh, the call to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. One 316 three sixteen three sixteen. Let's take another call. Mike is in Tasmania. Hello, Mike. Uh, good morning. My wife's grandmother was a Gentile. was born in Tel
3: Aviv when she was in when her mother was in the Polish Navy after she escaped after her mother escaped from a Soviet Gulag in West Kazakhstan. And uh, so it's um it's um well I think it's handy to be born in Israel as as it is Australia but and we love Israel and we're very grateful.
2: Mike uh, thank you for those comments. Uh, Amir, your thoughts for Mike?
1: Well, I just uh, had the uh, privilege and the pleasure of visiting uh, Tasmania, Hobart. I stayed there for uh, 2 days and uh I was so moved when I visited the uh, uh, oldest uh, Jewish synagogue, which is uh, situated in Obert. The construction uh, started in 1843, and the first service was held in uh, 1845. So uh, thank you for uh, your words, and uh, I'm looking forward uh, for my next trip to uh, Tasmania.
2: Mike, thank you so much for your call, 1-800-316-316. Our special guest is the ambassador uh, from Israel to Australia, uh, Amir. Uh, Let me just ask you, Amir, let's uh, touch on some of these uh, controversial issues. Uh, There is a propaganda war that goes on. Uh, For those that support the Jewish state... And there's another side: those who support the Palestinians. Oftentimes, it's over disputed territory, and uh, the United Nations doesn't uh, re- or rarely ever seems to be on the side of Israel, and usually on the side of a Palestinian people. The ongoing disputes, they are challenging, aren't they? And uh, it can't be any easier because of a parliament, the Knesset, in some level of disarray and looking forward to elections later this year. How do you describe the ongoing challenges and tensions that are happening in Israel between the Jewish people and the
1: uh, Palestinians? Well, to start with, uh, the uh, recent uh, round of escalation was with the Hamas um, who, um, you know, uh, since the uh, Israeli government uh, unilaterally withdrew from the Gaza Strip in 2006, do not uh, miss the opportunity to uh, uh, disturb the Israelis who are living along the border or and elsewhere by firing uh, different type of missiles, short-range, the Kassam-type uh, or the medium-range, the Fajr, the uh, Katyusha, and they also have the long-range. As I said before, the Hamas is uh, an Iranian proxy, and you probably uh, remember that early this year, the Hamas was uh, listed here and recognized here in Australia as a terror organization. So we are talking about terrorists. We are talking about terrorists that are looking to harm Israel, are going, are looking to kill innocent Israelis. And this is something that should not be forgotten. At the same time, Israel is still committed, and it was uh, stated very clearly by uh, Prime Minister Lapid during Biden visit. Israel is committed to the vision of two state solution. Unfortunately, since the uh, signing of the Declaration of Principle in 1993, even though some progress uh, was made, we still didn't reach the, uh, uh, the, the time and, uh, the conditions are not, uh, uh, the right condition to uh, start talking about the permanent status of the territories. It was agreed that there will be two major phases, the interim phase and the permanent phase, and unfortunately as it is uh, also in Tango, it requires uh, two parties, we are still uh, unable to sit around the table with our Palestinian uh, partners and to talk about the remaining hard code issues that are still in dispute. And there are out called issues that are in dispute between the two parties, such as the question of Jerusalem, such as the question of the Israeli settlements, the Palestinian demand for the right of return. And by the way, they're not um, asking to return to their future Palestinian state. They're asking to return to Jaffa, Tel Aviv, and Haifa, to the uh, places prior to the 1947 uh, um, uh, war. So there are still many issues that need to be uh, resolved. Hopefully, we will be able to do it sooner than later. But uh, for the time being, we are not there. So what I can
2: hear you say is that even if there was some small resolution around the Palestinian uh, issues, uh, it would then continue to escalate. There would be more and more that would be called on. 1-800-316-316. 1-800-316-316. Let's take another call. Michael is in Tasmania. Hi, Michael. Hi, hey
3: are you doing? Very good, good, Michael.
2: Need to be quick. What are your thoughts?
3: Okay, so I'm, I'm Jewish. I'm a cohen. I'm also a born-again Christian. Um, I'd like Jewish people to go more menschko. The humbleness seems to transcend into a little bit of arrogance. God bless Israel. Keep it safe. Everything is preordained. It's, it's going to happen. It's, history repeats itself. It's, it's written in the Old Testament. Um, unfortunately, the, the attitude is what Jewish people want, Jewish people get. I'd like a little bit more assimilation, a little bit more integration, you know, to, to, to walk with people, not just, not just superficial on the outside, to embrace all people. Lebanese, Palestinian, I'm a chef, I do, do, do it through food. Somehow, I'm not an expert on politics or military strategies. Michael, in an ideal
2: world, you might get all of those uh, uniting together under a big common banner of love. It doesn't seem to be the reality for the nation of Israel,
1: where there are tensions everywhere. Uh, Amir, your thoughts for Michael? Well, I think that, uh, in principle, um, he's absolutely right. Uh, He's not uh, absolutely right about... uh, the characterization of the Jewish people but that's what uh, you know the state of Israel is uh, looking uh, for we're looking to expand our uh, relationship with uh, every country in the world and that's why the uh, uh, the breakthrough with uh, some uh, moderate uh, arab countries such as the uh, uh, united arab emirates bahrain morocco uh, are of great importance and these are not just uh, an agreement between leaders, but between people. That's what I'm trying to do here—to reach out to other communities than the Jewish community. That's why I'm here in uh, Queensland, in Brisbane. That's why I'm speaking in this program. And for me, it was so moving—not just to be able to embrace, to hug people, but also to be hugged and to be embraced by the Christian community. And I'm planning to expand the relationship and my at least uh, uh, outreach and uh, attempts to every other community here in Australia. Michael, thank you so much for your
2: call. And time is running short. I wonder whether we might finish our conversation around some of the issues, uh, what are called the Abraham Accords. Uh, this started under the presidency of Donald Trump and uh, no doubt the ball is rolling and no matter what uh, would change, there'll still no doubt be new relationships and uh normality of relationship between nations. Is this something you expect to continue to go forward? Nations that are relating with Israel in a very positive way?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that um, um, there are two important elements in the recent uh, Abraham Accords that uh, were signed. One of them is the understanding that nations should not link the uh, Israeli-Palestinian conflict to the development of their bilateral relationship with Israel. The understanding that Israel is not just about the conflict, that Israel is about innovation, that Israel is about technology. And, uh, you know, it was for me uh, very uh, refreshing to hear during the last six months, there's so many positive reports in the Australian media about the Israeli experience with the covid about the Israeli uh, uh, innovation. Israel was uh, defined in uh, quite a number of articles and uh, radio um, programs as uh, a technological superpower. And I think that also the surrounding countries, also the countries that for many years refrain from establishing diplomatic relationship with Israel, understand that they can gain a lot from having uh, friendly relationship, business relationship, technological relationship with uh, the state of Israel. What uh, I like about the uh, recent agreements that were signed uh, with the United Arab Emirates, Morocco and Bahrain is that it's not just an agreement between leaders. It's not just a piece of paper. The uh, warmth of the relationship can be seen, can be filled. The people from the uh, emirate and Bahrain are visiting Israel and vice versa. And uh, we are really looking uh, forward to expand the relationship to some other countries that at the moment we do not have and enjoy a friendly and diplomatic relationship. We are reminded, aren't we, in a conversation like this, that while
2: there are positives, there are glimmers of light, there are good relationships being formed. ...that there are so many threats also against the nation of Israel. A wonderful opportunity today to capture your insights, even your heartbeat uh, today for the relationship between Israel and Australia. His Excellency Mr Amir Maimon is the Ambassador of the State of Israel to Australia... Uh, Wonderful insight today. We will have this conversation on a podcast a little later on this afternoon. Uh, Mr. Ambassador, Your Excellency, (laughs) Amir, thank you so much uh, for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with our listeners today on 2020.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Neil, uh, for having me. And thank you uh, for uh, the listeners uh, for listening to what we uh, had to say today. And. Thanks for taking
0: time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. Today. Today.
2: Today. Today, Today with Jeff Vines.
1: Twice every weekday on Vision and on demand in the free Vision Christian Media app.